By the way, Nizan sang a song. I don't know if you heard that. Nizan sang a song. It wasn't very long. He went on out and said, what's wrong? Grabbed his sword, went out to slash, found there was Marath in his back. He had to figure out what to do about it, so he went out and brawled. Found some vampires, some dragons, some wizards, yo. Grabbed his sword. He said, let's go. We're going to fight all everyone now, let's get into a big brouhaha and we'll take it down. The cats roared in, the dragon soared, the vampire said, get out of here, wizard, uh, we can edit this. Boar. W- wizard boar, yeah. <laughs> Don't know what you're going to do, it's time to battle, here it is, now you'll be throttled. I think we have the new pre-roll. Holy smokes! We have like Shivam. I don't. I'm keeping track. There are four pre rolls. Like six intros. The intro to this show is going to be an hour and a half long. Before <laughs> so, we even so, get to the so fun stuff. fact. Fun fact about me is one of my secret. So I feel like everyone has mundane superpowers, like things they can do that um, uh-huh. that you know, like just enhance your everyday life, but aren't actually superpowers. And I can just rap about basically anything. You can give me basically any random topic, and I'll just make a random rap about it i was trying to be family friendly there so i, I skipped the beat in a few places um but uh it's a, so you know if someone says like insect i'll i'll make up a little song about that or whatever right so, now i i had to do that just because i know hip-hop is banned so we had to get that in there somewhere um very important <laughs> okay so anyway so here we go you guys ready let's do it energy's up <laughs> okay how's that butter mm. that is some gross ass butter I'm Phil DeLuca. I'm Shivam Putt. (laughs) (laughs) And Sean Watson is out trapping rabbits for his cat traps. And we are Commander in. Music. We love the music. Mandarin. I do love that Western thing. <laughs> oh, God. Now he's beginning to regret it, Shivam. He's regretting coming on the show already. Why, who could possibly Thanks for listening, be everybody. <laughs> this actually takes who me knows? back quite a ways. I, uh, I remember doing this with MTG Cast back in the day, and our show started yeah. off about like this every time, but 20% less professional. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the fact that we have any kind of preparation at all shocked Jason Alt. Um, <laughs> he was like, we just drink a lot and then record. Which is how most podcasts are made. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, stories. If anybody's still listening, thanks for listening. Because <laughs> we'll probably keep most of that. Who knows where we'll cut. We put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever talk about four banned topics. And our guest will need to write these down, perhaps. Religion, politics. Hearthstone and hip hop. We never talk about any of those, do we, Shivam? I can't even lie, man. <laughs> it's literally every episode. <laughs> if <laughs> it really is. If you want to influence what we talk about Good luck. every show, visit patreon.com slash commander at MTG. There you can donate a buck a show, and that would be wonderful. Folks who donate a little bit more, they come hang out with us in our Patreon chat group. And if you if 
If you make a special donation, you can actually change how we pronounce a word in a given episode. It's true. We've uh, had somebody pay for that before. <laughs> Don't forget to visit us on YouTube. YouTube is awesome. Uh, maybe we'll uh, eventually get this episode up. Because this episode, we have a wonderful show lined up for our listeners for nearly six years. My goodness, six years already. Gavin Verhe has worked in Magic the Gathering R&D on everything from leading magic set designs to bringing magic's largest events to life. Most recently, you can play his handiwork with Commander 2017. Why would we talk about Commander, which, Phil? Which, <laughs> I know, right? And why would we have the lead designer of Commander 2017 on the show? So let's welcome Gavin Verhey. Hello, everybody. It's so wonderful to well, talk with you all. What a buttery voice you have, Gavin. Well, not, as, not as buttery as yours, <laughs> Philip. I'm I'm sorry, Shivam, you're just being left out here. You've got a great voice, too. Oh, my but... voice is very gee We don't do butter. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that a term? And Am I allowed to use it? <laughs> <laughs> because he's going to use it. <laughs> oh, man. We're off to a great start. <laughs> oh, man, everyone, I, I am so excited to talk today about, about Commander 2017. It has been a long time in the making. I remember when I was told that I was going to get assigned this project, and all the way through today, seeing all the things that has gone through, and to have it finally released out in the into the wild is this amazing ecstasy, and I just can't wait to share it with all you guys, so let's talk about it. We are super all stoked right. that you got a chance to lead this. Uh, it feels like all of my favorite people who work at R&D have been leads on the Commander sets, and it's super cool to see you joining that lineage. To start with, let's uh, talk a little bit about you. Uh, how and when did you start playing Magic? Well, as the foremost expert on me, I feel very well equipped to answer this question. <laughs> You'd be surprised at how many people aren't. But <laughs> So I was 10 years old. And I was in a Wizards of the Coast game store, for those who remember those way back in the day. Yeah. And I was playing another game at the time, and the shopkeeper came up to me, and uh, or actually came up to my, my mom, who's looking around the store, because my mom would come into, uh, into the store with me every single time. And she was like, hey, your kid... Mom. And she was like, hey, your kids might like, might like this game, Magic. And now I'm going to do a flashback sequence within a flashback sequence, okay? So I'm 10 years old, and the storekeeper comes over to my mom to be like, hey, your kids might like Magic. And what she doesn't know is for about the past year and a half, in my free time, when no one's looking, I've been trying to read about Magic online. Like, I've been looking <laughs> on my computer, learning all these Mercadian Masks cards and, like, trying to see what's going on with this game. And I'm super excited about it. Um, but I'm just afraid that my mom won't let me play. Because, you know, it's, it's for older kids. I'm only 10 years old. And I'm like, okay, if I learn a lot now, maybe when I'm older, I can talk my mom into playing Magic. So the shopkeeper coming over to my mom at this point is, like, amazing. I just have to, like, goad her into it, right? I just have to be like, mom, yes, buy that starter set. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, the shopkeeper's really nice. She talks to my mom for a while. And then my mom turns to me and is like, is this a game you and your brother will like? And I'm like, yeah, mom. You know, I, th I think we could get used to this. And so Maybe. that night, we get our first starter set. We bring it home. And me and my brother just spend hours and hours playing. And we very, very quickly go deep down the magic rabbit hole. Um, I, uh, I remember we would trade cards with one another, and you know, for a very long time, we were our play group. Like it was me and my, and my brother, yeah. and we'd build decks and play them against each other. Okay, so fast forward about a year from there, 
I'm 11 years old. I've clearly already mastered this game. And so I <laughs> go to my Odyssey pre-release, and I grew up in Seattle half the year. And because of that, a lot of Wizards of the Coast people would show up to our events. So Randy Bueller was there, and oh, nice. I had already decided that I want to work for Wizards. I mean, obviously, and I was 11, so I was fit for the job. So I went up to Randy, <laughs> yeah, and I just asked, hey, Randy, I, w- I want to work for you guys. What do I do to get hired? And he said, okay, kid, if you want, you want to work in Magic R&D, you're going to need two things. And the two things he said are the first thing you're going to need is a college degree. And my heart just sunk. I was like 11 years old. It's going to take me forever to get one of those. I'll probably be dead by the time I have a college degree. It's never going to happen. But then the second thing he said is you need to be a pro player or so we know who you are. Get writing about the game. Get talking about the game. Get good at the game. And then maybe we'll hire you because we know who you are. And, of course, I was like, well, I don't know about the whole college degree thing. But a pro player, how hard could that really be? (laughs) You were precocious, man. Yeah, I was like the sidekick kid in like every Nicolas Cage movie, you know, like <laughs> I, I was that person. So um, I spent the next several years both trying to be get really good at magic, and I did, and magic actually ended up paying for my whole college ed- education, which was awesome, playing in, on the pro circuit awesome. and writing about it. And then I started a early entrance college program when I was 16, and everyone's like, wow, Gavin, that's really impressive. Like, you're starting college early. Like, you must have such high aspirations. And I'm like, yeah, I got to get hired at Wizards. Like, I got to start this thing early. So I, um, I started college when I was 16. I graduated by the time I was 20. And th- uh, I w- had gone pro by that point. And then shortly after that, I got picked up to work for Wizards. Get out of here. That is amazing. That is absurd. <laughs> that is so cool oh my goodness i hope i hope we have a lot of children listening to this because that is how you set goals and achieve them hey man i've been trying to get into watsi since i was 15 and so (laughs) give me a minute here (laughs) i should have started five years earlier oh god yeah failed at life it makes all the difference (laughs) that you know i've heard that story before but hearing it live makes it sound even more absurd than it did before just because it's it, not absurd in like the bad way, but in just like the, I can't believe it worked. <laughs> like, that's amazing. That is so yeah. amazing. But um, I, I tend to have a lot of conviction with whatever it is I do. For example, for college, I just applied to one school. I'm like, yep, I want to go to the University of Washington. It's the only school I'm going to apply to. I'm sure I'll just get in and it'll be fine. And I did. After I graduated, <laughs> I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'll, I'll just keep doing this magic thing and I'll get a job at Wizards eventually. And then, you know, fair enough. Soon enough, I did. And there's something about, I mean, this maybe is, is a horrible philosophy, but sometimes if you're, if you're really focused on something and you're applying yourself toward that thing and you kind of make that your one option, yeah, things can go poorly if everything falls through. And that certainly happened in my life as well. But with something you really care about and are really passionate about, I think if you focus on that goal and really, really, really try and just continue to improve yourself and find ways to get into that community, you can make it work. And it could be that I'm just very fortunate, and I feel incredibly fortunate to have the job that I do, but I also think that that raw determination for 10 years of my life really paid off. Yeah. Man, I feel like we should have you on to talk about uh, life goals and how to get into Watsi sometime, because I think that would be a super fascinating conversation, and really good for, <laughs> I don't know, people who might want to join the company. Not that I know anybody who would want to join the company. <laughs> Not that that person is me right here, right now. Um. No, no, it's a good thing that person isn't you right now. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> well, Shivam, if you want life advice, I charge $150 an hour. But the podcast is free, so now's a great time. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about uh, something a little bit more pertinent. Um, when did you discover Commander? Hmm. When did I discover Commander? See, I have my life story all in line, but discovering Commander is a little trickier. Well, actually, um, so I remember the first Commander deck I ever built, and it's still the Commander deck I play the most. I discovered Commander. So I was, as a pro player, Commander was not the thing always at the forefront of my mind. You know, I was always trying to figure out how I was going to crush people in my next PTQ or in the next Pro Tour, and not so much focused on building a hundred card singleton decks. But many, many years ago, I, I have my roots actually in casual play. There was a format that I would doubt either of you have heard of, although it's possible you have, given you're both from California, called Type Dan Gray. Do you, either of you know this format? I am in fact <laughs> no. not remotely familiar with what you're talking about. So there's this guy named Dan Gray. D-A-N Gray, who was a tournament organizer in California, and he invented this format that was, I think, let me think, it was 150 cards, uh, singleton, you had to be five colors, and you had to have a certain amount of each card in your deck. So it's kind of like a five-color format, basically, if you imagine an early five-color, but a little different from that. And uh, I, I grew up half the year in Seattle, but I lived the other half of my year in Phoenix. And in Phoenix, this format was very popular. And this is back, you know, when the internet was kind of just us pushing stones together. So things didn't really travel very far. And we all got hooked into this format. And I loved it. Me and my brother would play this format against each other all the time. In between rounds at FNM would battle each other. So it got a really good uh, connection to what makes casual magic fun and what makes people want to play casual magic. Then, you know, I went, pr- I went pro and stopped focusing on that as much. Flash forward several years, I'm just about to start at Wizards, and I hear about this thing called Commander, and I want to build the deck up, because it sounds pretty fun, and so I build up my Mariki Rebarret deck, which is still a deck that I modify to this day, it's my favorite Commander deck, and I start playing it, having a really good time with it, and then, you know, soon enough I'm at Wizards, and we're releasing the first ever Commander set, and that's when things really started to take off. I actually have a really good story about the first Commander release. So... If you guys remember, the first Commander release had Animar, and it was the three-color wedge decks, right? Yep. Yeah. And this was kind of when Wizards was going to start acknowledging Commander. This was a really big deal, because before that, it was just a community format. Something something that Sheldon had kind of risen up through the ranks and was um, you know, starting to become larger. And at the time, I wasn't working for Wizards. I was a on the outside, and I just graduated college, and I really, really, really wanted to get in. So, um at my bed and I'm taking a nap. It's in the afternoon and I'm really tired. So I just fall asleep and I wake up to my phone ringing. Okay. And I look over at my phone and I'm being called at like 7 30 PM. And the person who's calling me is Aaron Forsyth. All right. <laughs> okay. And all I want at this point is to get a job at wizards. Aaron and I had, were friends on Facebook and his phone number got in my phone somehow. And so I know that Aaron's calling me. I'm like, this is it. This is my chance. Like, time to go to the big leagues. Aaron's calling me up. This is it, right? So I pick up the phone, and I have no idea why he's calling. And I'm like, hello, Aaron. And he's like, hey, Gavin. How's it going? And I'm like, oh, very good. Um, how can I help you? He's like, okay, well, the website's going to go up live tonight. So I just wanted you to go there and check it out and make sure that everything looked okay. And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. What's the website URL? And there's a, a pause on the other end. And I hear some laughter in the background. And Aaron says, this this is Gavin, right? And I'm like, yeah. And, he, and he, I, there's a moment I can tell he's t- like taking out his phone to look at the name and putting it back. And he had thought he was calling Gavin Duggan, 
from the Commander Rules Committee. He was actually calling me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, so there was, you know, there's some nervous laughter. He said, oh, sorry, wrong Gavin. We basically hung up. And that was that. And I was like, well, that was a weird experience. Um, and, then, and then an hour and a half, yeah, half I later. I I'm never going to deal with him again. And then the, an hour and a half later, the Commander website went live. And it made a lot more sense. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was actually one of the first times I really started thinking about Commander. Because I was like, oh, this could be my Into Wizards, this Commander thing. And, you know, it kind of came full circle. That was one of my first major sets is being released uh, this weekend. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, what a great story. That's yeah, you have an amazing origin story in both counts. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, okay, so I got to know, though, before we uh, get on, what did it feel like when they came to you and said, hey, we want you to lead this uh, commander set? Like, how does that happen? Does, like, Morrow come in and look at his spreadsheet and say, all right, Gavin, you look like you're free for this year. It's your turn. <laughs> so... It's an interesting process, actually, because a lot of people would imagine that. You know, we get called in the boardroom, and Mark Rosewater's there with a clipboard, and he's like, all right, uh, Sam, you're on ham. Gavin, you're on C-17. All right, go do your things, right? But it's not quite that. So Mark Gottlieb is actually the design manager, and at the time, Mark was my boss. Mark manages Mark. Mark, this is going to get confusing. Mark Gottlieb manages Mark Rosewater. So he, even Mark Gottlieb creates Rosewater's schedule. And Mark is kind of the master of spreadsheets. Like he's got a spreadsheet with everyone's time, and how it's all being used, and which sets are going when, and who in R&D is on sets, and who's not in R&D that's on sets. And we have weekly meetings at Wizards called one-on-ones. And in our one-on-ones, we sit down with our manager and talk for an hour. And that's usually when your manager is like, hey, do you want to do this thing? And so we sat down, and archenemy Nicol Bolas, which had just wrapped up at the time, had just finished and gone very well. Everyone was very excited about the set. And I sat down, down with Mark Gottlieb, and he's like, hey, we have this opportunity coming up. Would you be interested in leading Commander 2017? And this is very interesting, because at the time, at the time I was being asked this, I was not really as acquainted with Commander. In fact, I would even say I wasn't a huge Commander player. Most of my design experience in my years there had been on playtesting Future Future League, which is competitive standard, and drafting. I'd worked, yeah. I would worked on the development of a n- number of sets, so you know, tuning them, tuning the balance for standard. I'd been a formative part of the creation of Modern, and I hadn't actually touched Commander that much. I'd been in a playtest here and there, and I played it every now and then when I went down to the game store. But you know, I would say that I played a game of Commander every few months at best and didn't really pay that close attention to what was going on. And so when Mark pitched this the thing this thing to me, it was a little outside my comfort zone. I was like, I don't know, Commander, uh, that's, isn't someone who's more of a of a casual oriented player better for that? And it was kind of this amazing experience because so I said yes. I was like, well, I'm not going to turn on the, the opportunity to lead a set. I'm really excited about this, and it ended up being this amazing experience because it's kind of like the Disney Pixar version of someone getting handed this task they're not really sure about and then going through and just completely falling in love with it. And by the end of the design yeah. process, I'd gone from someone who hadn't really touched Commander to I was reading decklists on r slash EDH every day and kind of seeing what was going on in the format, right? And I'd really, really grown accustomed to this, so much so that after finishing that, I have, I've now since become a kind of Commander touchpoint. And it's a really relevant point for me because I'll 
being part of R&D is a lot about doing a lot of different tasks and have, wearing a lot of different hats. And there's not really a person who, can, who really bridges the competitive environment with the more casual commander environment. For example, like, you know, an Ethan Fleischer is very, very, um, an amazing designer, a great designer, you might even call him. And because great designer search, that's a, that's a magic joke. And, um, and he is an excellent designer, but he doesn't really have a strong competitive background where someone like Ian Duke is an amazing, amazing developer. One of the brightest people I've had the chance to work with and always seems to know the right answer. But he doesn't have that experience playing Commander. And so for me to have that competitive background now merged with that understanding and deep love of Commander has allowed me to do some really cool things. So Commander 2017 is my my first baby. And I have, if you like Commander, I've got more children on the way that, um, I, at least card designs, that I think you, Commander players will really like. And now with every set... That metaphor I'm, got really awkward really quickly, but... It sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, and, you know, now when I'm on sets, like instead of being the guy who's like, is this card right for Constructed? I've kind of done a 180. And I'm like, is this Mythic Rare cycle really going to be good in Commander? You know, and I'm on the other other side of that fence now. So I'm fighting for uh, all excellent. you guys. That, that's awesome. That's amazing. We are always happy as a community to have wizards in our corner. Yeah. And have to, yeah, it's like I said, to go from this guy who's, yeah, Commander is a format. It's fine. I know what it is. I can design for it. To really falling in love with it and playing it is a fantastic experience. All right. Before we dive into the meat of designing this set, let's talk about some news we have here. Of course, uh, we have a few playmats left. These are special Commander and themed playmats. Uh, one of them is Vegas themed. The other is this awesome black that spreads out in front of you and you can lay your cards on it and it looks like they're floating in a starless sky that's filled with the commander and logo so go to our website commanderandmtg.com slash our products and order away we have operators standing by um but the other and most important news is gavin's design handoff article now we may have mentioned this by now depending on what makes it into the pre-roll but gavin wrote this freaking cool article that shows how an entire set in this case of course commander 2017 is handed off from design to development first off sir i need to say that this is maybe one of the most important documents we as the public have ever seen in terms of magic design in general i realize that Mario has written 20 years of articles about how to do design but we've never actually seen a real internal nuts and bolts Here's how this goes from group A to group B within design yeah. with your philosophy, with your intentions. And it is just amazing. And I mean, the fact that like, first off, it's commander. So we obviously love that. But even just from the historic value of this document, it is so cool. Did you have to have like permission to print that? Well, the first thing I want to say is, you know, you mentioned I wrote it for this, but the coolest part to me is that I didn't. I mean, I basically just took what I wrote for the team when I handed it off. That's so cool. And made it made a couple of tweaks here and there, there to clean it up, but it's basically exactly as I wrote it with a couple small differences. And it, it, you know, the way it came about is so I'm I'm a as you might have been able to tell so far from listening to the podcast for the past 6 hours, I'm a very <laughs> verbose person. <laughs> And I love to write. I studied creative writing in college and I've always been writing. When I was three years old, I wrote my first story and I actually, my mom bound it for me. I have it at home. By home, I mean where I am right now. And 
I so I liked writing a lot. So different designers will write different amounts for their design handoffs. Some people will write a lot. Some people don't have time and will write a shorter amount. And it's all fine. You have to convey information. But I always really like to capture what I'm going for and give the designer a lot, the or the developer a lot to go back to when they're looking at what I handed off to them. So I wrote a lot for my handoff and. I, it was this great document, very useful. And when I wrote it and sent it out to the, the Commander 2017 development team, they really enjoyed it. And so I thought, well, I have this great document around. And so I was talking with Blake, and Blake Rasmussen on Daily MTG is my editor already for Beyond the Basics. So we, we have regular check-ins where we talk every now and then. And I mentioned this offhandedly to him, and he thought it would be a great idea. So I cleaned it up, sent it over. The same day, actually, I was so excited about doing this. And then he uh, put in the queue to run. Now, something you might not realize if you're reading the website is my articles take a very long time to go live. I actually finish everything I write about four to five weeks before it goes up because it is translated into so many languages. And that's awesome because it means that my articles get read in Japanese and people send me emails in Japanese telling me how much they love my articles. Super cool, but everything has a very long lead time. So this was kind of like a little gift today where I sent this in five weeks ago or four weeks ago or whatever it was. And I woke up and it was on the internet. I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. I wonder what I wrote. And I clicked on it and you know <laughs> looked through it. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And if you haven't checked it out, I'm sure they'll link it in the show notes. It basically details everything I handed off to the development team when I finished the design of Commander 2017, all the way down to what changed throughout it and some of the things and mechanics that were there that ended up being removed. So take a look. It is amazing. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful way. I mean, first off, you've got amazing designer names in there and also being able to see each of the deck designers kind of lay out their vision for the deck. It gives an incredible yeah. insight into the design that I don't think we've ever seen before. And uh, well, I was just like stunned to see it this morning and super excited to read it. And I spent, I think, an hour in the parking lot of a Starbucks like furiously <laughs> typing on Twitter with all of my Vorthos friends about all of the nuggets inside this thing until I realized, oh, I have a job and need to go to that. <laughs> but, oh, dude, I was just like so stunned at how candid and awesome this was. Um, yeah. Except I'm super bummed that you didn't have my boy. And also, <laughs> Brimaz? Where's Brimaz? But I guess we can we can talk about that afterwards. Well, that's good. Good, good time to talk about yeah. it. I think I just, so, uh, guys, did you hear that? I think I, I think I just heard a segue pulling up. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, I, I guess we should transition right into the thing we're actually talking about: the Commander yeah. Seventeen product that's going to be coming out or is already out in your hands if you're listening to this. Yeah, by the time you're listening to this, of course, uh, you have this in your hands. Um, a few broad details in case you're one of the people who's just sort of like, you know, waiting to see what happens. You should go out and get it, by the way. Um, so the set name, of course, Commander 2017 edition. There are four 100-card decks for a total of 56 new cards across all the decks. It was released uh, by now in the past. And it has uh, the Twitter hashtag is hashtag MTGC17. So whenever you play a game with one of these decks or one of the commanders from these decks, make sure you tweet about it and include that hashtag. It's available in a bunch of languages. They're interesting. Uh, and it costs about 35 bucks per deck in the United States of America. And probably Canada and very likely the UK, except it would probably be 34 pounds. It's not going to be 34 yen because that's like 
34 cents, but maybe 4,000 yen, give or take. Now, Gavin, why don't you introduce your team members? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. So there's this guy, this schlub named Gavin, and he was the lead designer. But don't worry about him I understand he started much. playing when he was 10. Yeah, but he's pretty overrated. So the rest of the rest of my team. So I mentioned earlier, Mark, Mark Gottlieb is my boss, or was my boss at the yeah. time, and he was on my team. So this is a very interesting dynamic because Mark is my boss, but I'm leading Mark. So that yeah. took careful, careful finessing, but it ended up going really, really well. A uh, fun story about Mark. So early on in design, we're trying to figure out what tribes we want to do, and we're basically we're locked in on dragons. We think dragons are just Slam dunk, home run, awesome. We know we're going to do Mardu Vampires. We're really excited about that. And there's kind of these two other slots that are up in the air. And we, we definitely need a blue deck. And we've run Rosewater's head-to-head and got some internal data. And we think Wizards is going to be the way to go. And so we're trying to figure out what the fourth deck is. And we you know we talked about a few different things. We talked about elves. And we talked about... I, I mean, I made, wrote an article uh, last week or, or a week ago, um, two weeks ago maybe, that talked about all the different tribes we consider. We, we discussed a number of different green tribes and Mark pitched cats. And I'll admit, everyone was a little dubious. You know, um, <laughs> we, we were thinking maybe Merfolk would be the better way to go because you get to, you know, you, you get to maybe do some kind of bant Merfolk thing or something like that. But some of the team members were like, no, let's not consider that. But I was like, oh, it sounds interesting. And Mark is a really good designer. I have always found Mark Gottlieb to be incredible at pinpointing when it's right to do something and when it's not right to do something. He's got an uncanny sense for it. And when he said cats off the cuff, I said, Mark, do your homework. Show me what you got. And he came back. I don't remember if it was the next day or a few hours later. But it was pretty quickly afterwards with, hey, here's my rough shell of a deck. It's not quite there, but considering we get to make 17 new cards, I think we can get there. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Let's play it and give it a try. And he found the overlap between equipment and cast, which was brilliant, absolutely wonderful play. Yeah. And uh, we brought, brought it to life. So it was really Mark, thanks to Mark, that deck existed. And we had to fight for a little bit. I had to get a lot of people on board. I remember the day when I came back to the R&D pit, which is, which is the area that we all sit, and told people about it. There were a lot of skeptics in the room. But one thing- oh, No way, man. <laughs> Uh, but Sorry, but here's the thing: for every two or three skeptics, there was one person who who was like, "That is awesome! You have to do that." See? And Mark Rosewater has this tenet that I totally believe in, and I preach all the time, which is, it, you don't want a lot of people to like something; you want some people to love that thing. And I very much feel this way with design and it's important you appeal to a lot of different people you can't just make the same people love everything you should should have some wide appeal things but with these four decks i wanted one deck to be a thing that would really 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 appeal to the audience that it appealed to and when i was hearing some people say yes this is amazing i will 100 buy the cat deck i never play commander and i'm gonna go out and buy this cat deck that really really sold me on and we kept playing and, and it just kept working and we kept making really cool cards for it and I thought it was a great fit. So hats off to Mark for that. And then, of course, later I find out he has two cats at home. So it was really just a long-range ploy. <laughs> yeah. When you guys announced Tribal in uh, March, a couple of friends at work who were in the meta that I actually created at work, we were talking about the tribes. And I was like, it's going to be cats. Because I was looking at uh, the, the, what is it, the the Serpopod and the Serpopard, rather. And all of the cats that were like, you know, in the last year, and I'm like, they are ramping up to cats. I know that it's going to be cats as one of the tribes. And you delivered. Yeah, once I saw the two cat lords, I was like, okay, it's going to be. 
And it was just a matter of what colors are like, you guys are very good at both creating um, foreshadowing with these decks and also by if you know what you're looking at when you look at a standard set, you can see what the commander and dual decks are kind of going to be when they come out of it, which is one of my most favorite uh, games to play with Magic is to look and see what you guys are going to do based on what you've done. And once I saw the two Cat Lords, I was like, ah, there's my tribe. And that's when I started doing the full body press for Jedi Ojanan <laughs> two years too late. <laughs> two years too late. That's right. Well, I have to say that that's very perceptive of both of you. And I, I love being like, you know what? We do cool things like this and we are so smart. But in this case, it's a very interesting chicken and egg situation because Amonkhet and Commander 2017 were actually being worked on at about the same time. And none of the Cat Lords existed when I was working on this. And the Amonkhet set didn't really know I was working on a cat deck that much. They were busy doing their own thing. So interestingly, they both kind of designed in parallel to each other. Where I decided to go with the cat thing, and Almond Cat's like, oh, cats make sense here, let's do cats. And I mean, we both knew a little bit. Like, I knew that Almond Cat was probably going to have some number of cats because cats were important in ancient Egypt. And they probably heard at some point that we're working on a cat deck, but there wasn't really that conscious, oh, we should put cats in Amonkhet to set up for this cat deck later on. That was a total kind of happy coincidence. And later down in the process, when we saw that they were going to intersect, we made sure that they didn't non-bow with each other in, in any way. But it was kind of just a, a perfect storm. Awesome. All right, shall we just really quickly go down through the rest of the list of the team members? We don't necessarily need a story for each, but... Uh. <laughs> yep, sorry. I, uh, I I just want to talk about Mark in particular. So Jules Robbins, awesome. He's like the all-around workhorse of R&D. I feel like I can hand him any project and he'll always uh, talk to me about it and give, no matter how busy he is, and give stuff back. He started as an intern, right? Yeah, he started as an intern and he... Uh, he was actually, believe it or not, Jules was only supposed to be a six, it was either six or eight week intern, basically summer intern that just went away after the summer. And at, when he <laughs> was hired and put on my team, because uh, he was on, put on Arch Enemy Nicol Bolas, it was like, yep, Jules, just coming in for the summer. Everyone agrees just for the summer. And everyone on R&D was on board. And he just did such good work that we brought him back for a six-month contract and then a, a full-time deal. And he's amazing. He sits next to me, so I turn to him all the time for questions. A uh, fun fact about Jules is he's been on every team that I have led, including multiples that aren't out yet. So he's kind of a big secret to, to my the way that things work. Cool. Uh, ben Hayes and Brian Hawley. So these were both the development representatives on the team. Ben started on the team. And then as he got really busy finishing up Ether Revolt, it swapped over to Brian, who ended up being the um, development lead on the team. And they added a lot of really good insight um, ben was responsible for the, the Dragons deck and has a, just a really precise way of putting decks together. He was fresh off of doing previous Commander sets, so he also had a good connection to Commander. And his first draft of the deck was really, really tight and well-made and really impressed. So when he handed it off to Brian, Brian was kind of there just to watch things through to the development process, but I know he was really happy with the deck that was created. Cool. Now that's the initial design team. You guys have a two and on the standard sets, a three-stage design process, right? Yeah, we have the kind of initial world building, which some would call exploratory design, and then the de yeah. the design step, which is kind of where I was in this process, and then final design, which is development. In Commander, it's a little condensed, and actually the team takes a lot less time than a full-on set, because you're, you're making fewer cards, 
and there's just a design team and a development team with the note that there's some amount of pre-thinking on the product architecture level that goes into figuring out what the top-level themes are going to be. Right. And who was on the final design? So final design, Brian Hawley was the lead developer who came over from the initial design team. And he did a marvelous job. And then his team was Glenn Jones, editor, but also an excellent designer. Mark Globus, who is now my boss. And I now have a different Mark as my boss. And Jules Robbins, who was the carry through. We always, we always like to have at least one person who's been on the whole process carry through to the development team so that the development team doesn't make any mistakes as they're going through it with just retrying things that we've already done. For example, if I pass it off to Brian and the first thing he did was try a bunch of cards that we had already tried, well, that would not be a good use of his time. So having Jules on that team is a great way to make sure that he can be a conduit for what we've already done and bring that to the table. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That way there's continuity and you can make sure that the pillars of the design phase are carried through and not accidentally knocked out. Exactly. Exactly. That's very important. Now, this world building team is incredible. It might be the largest world building team on any commander set so far. So who, who is it who led the world building team? And how does a world building team work on a commander product anyway? Yeah, so the world building list is really long, and it kind of boils down into the list is anybody who ended up contributing to the product in some way. The creative team is a really cohesive unit when they work on these kind of things, and often getting to rooms together and kind of jam on what the best implementations are going to be, and figuring out what concepts to do, and everyone kind of touches things in different ways, from commissioning art, to writing art descriptions, to giving pitches, so they have a very long list of people who are who are on here. Kelly Diggs, though, was my main touch point for Commander 2017, and Kelly is a true joy to work with. I would go over to his desk, and we would have very long conversations about random facts about Magic Story that were an absolute blast. And when I wanted to figure out who my legends were going to be, something that was really important to me is that we could implement some cool old characters. And that came through in the final product. You see Miri and Marisil and things like that. And so I went to Kelly, and we kind of brainstormed back and forth what some cool concepts and returning characters could be. And so it's really thanks to Kelly that we have such resonant, awesome returning characters in this set. Yeah, and also I would like to throw a shout-out to my boy Ethan, who started this whole thing with C14, bringing back Felden and Frailies and all those and realizing that uh, Nostalgic Vorthos audience really, really loves this stuff. And I got to say yeah. that every Commander set since has brought back amazing people. And you guys have really, really just... Speaking as a representative of the Vorthos community, this has just been a thrill to see all of our old favorites finally getting a face in the game. Like Okagachi or, you know, um, Miri. That's just, like, amazing. It's so cool. Another Miri, yeah. And um, I also want to throw out one shout out to Kelly Diggs because he did try to bring Jedit Ojanin back. He did. <laughs> I'm so grateful to him for even thinking about it. Have you seen a therapist about this Jedit Dude, thing? you have no idea. When I started playing Magic, two things brought me to the Do you have a Jedit cat suit? I- I've actually got a print of Jedit Ojanin hanging on my wall here. But... Um, <laughs> It's just, it was the coolest looking card I'd ever seen. The guy was amazing. He's this amazing tiger art. Yeah, the card's complete garbage, but it fit into this, like the first deck I ever had was a blue-white random control deck made of garbage that my friend had given me. And the fact that Jedi Ojanin could fit in there, yeah, he was just a really, really expensive craw worm, but he was a tiger craw worm, and that mattered. And he is one sexy 
sexy cat. God, that would meow. be a sexy segment. <laughs> meow. All right. So. so, so here's the thing for you, Shivam. <laughs> oh, can we just all meow for a second? That's a good segment on its own. Meow. Meow, meow, meow. Meow. Meow, meow. And now it got really weirdly surreal. <laughs> If we just loop that like twenty times, there's our teaser right there. No problem. Oh god, <laughs> don't even, don't even hint at it because this dude will do it. It has happened. <laughs> the listeners will hear it. No. So, so uh, what I want to say about Jedit Shivam is <laughs> moving into R and D. It you kind of get a very different mindset switch and it takes you a little bit to get used to where when you get there, the first thing you want to do is you're like, I've got all these great ideas. I got to get these into magic sets soon. Like I'm finally here. Got to shove all the stuff into sets and what you begin to, and which one crushes Shivam's dreams. Uh, right. And that's obviously the most important factor. <laughs> and, uh, but what you begin to realize over time is I basically feel at this point that magic is going to be around forever. And my goal is to make magic outlive me. And so given that we have so much time to make stuff and we're going to mm. be able to do so many things with our game, we want to always deploy things when they're going to be the best as opposed to just doing it because we can do it. And with Jedit, we had him in there and we talked about it as a team. And I even, I think I handed it off to Brian as a possibility. But in the end, it's like, yeah, we could do the white green version of Jedit. But is that going to be the best version? And if you look ahead five plus years, eventually we're going to do a Bant deck where Jedit makes a lot of sense to do. So hang in there, and eventually you will get your white, blue, green Jedit. You can put them together with. I am confident we'll make that happen. Hey, man, Just, I've been waiting since 1994. I can, I've got patience. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, man. So let's transition into talking about the main topic, Jedit O'Donnan. Um <laughs> remember gavin when you need flavor text for that the sage talking about jedid ojanan's mighty bantness is an anagram of shivam butt right <laughs> right the flavor text begin quotation marks jedid ojanan jedid ojanan is the greatest creature in the multiverse i have seen it myself since 1994 and parentheses <laughs> dash bivim bushvat or whatever. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm gonna create like 200 anagrams of Shivam Butt and send them to you so that you have them uh, in your files. There's probably some really good ones. You've got some good characters in your name, Shivam. So we could make something really nice. <laughs> oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. But actually, the question. Uh, we'll wait till we get to talk about the actual desks, <laughs> but, uh, decks. But I'm actually really curious about like. Where you know, all right, wait, wait, hold on, but we can wait. There's some controversies here. We've already talked a little bit about the differences from other products, only a little bit, but we're not going to get into that, I think, because the more interesting stuff is uh is coming. But there are controversies. We talked about the cats, we understand that. Um, and uh, we understand now that is from Mark Globus, he's the one who is like, eh, it's cats, and he was totally, totally right about that. One of the other controversies, though. Before we get into the wonderful splendor and glory of these individual cards, is that there are no real traditional tribal cards in this set. And I'm talking about the cards like Coat of Arms, Mana Echoes, oh goodness, Mana Echoes, Shared Animosity, um, which sounded perfect for vampires, if not dragons and vampires. And then Patriarch's Bidding, which of course, Edgar Markov, he's the Patriarch, right? That would have been so an amazing why... reprint right there. Absolutely. And like Jason Alt pointed out on Twitter... Um, there was 
you know, this was the opportunity to reprint these cards. It was the tribal set for Commander. And now because they're, uh, how do you say it in wizard terms, the accessibility has been uh, somewhat restricted on these cards in the world of magic. Uh, it means that they're not likely to see a reprint anytime soon. And the next commander set isn't likely to be another tribal set. So we're not going to get another tribal set for a long, long time. Why weren't these cards reprinted, the ones that were already kind of um, seeing players' accessibility to them restricted? So before we go any further, I need to make sure we say something very, very important, which is that I just ran Shivenbot's name through an anagrammer, and <laughs> <laughs> and it, the, my favorite one so far is Habit Mash TV. So that one's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. You, there's also Habit Sham TV, Bash That Vim, which is a great like 90s reality show, and perhaps Bash the, That Vim. And perhaps the the most in-world Bathmat Shiv. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Bath That Vims. Yeah. You guys can both go to hell, is all I'm saying. All I'm saying. <laughs> Well, I'll... Bath, Matt. Jesus. <laughs> Dude, is, is that, that's your sweet fantasy name. That could be your email address. Okay. Anyway, so on to the important topic, which is the traditional tribal <laughs> cards. Or less important, really. Stab, but... half, vim. I feel like we're just saying ritualistic terms now. Like we're just yeah, gonna, I know, right? Like... We're, we're actually just <laughs> causing, we're going to summon Jen and himself if we keep uttering these <laughs> phrases. Oh, my gracious. So there's a quirk about a lot of old, exciting tribal cards. Patriarch's bidding, coat of arms, many things in that vein. A lot of the, of the things kind of onslaught era, era and before. And yeah. the problem is that they reference everyone's creatures. So this can cause a lot of headaches in design. For example, coat of arms becomes a mess on a table very, very quickly when you're all playing tribal decks. And if two of you, say, bought the same Commander 2017 deck and you're playing, or suddenly your classes start mattering on your cards, it creates kind of a rough gameplay experience. So one thing we try and do with these Commander decks is make them really good on-ramps to Commander. Once you get hooked and into the great format that is Commander, you're going to go and find all kinds of great cards, put them into your decks, and your de games are going to get super crazy and complex, and you know someone's going to be casting Lissids and Humility, and it's going to go nuts. But before you hit that point of mega complexity, we want to make sure that you have as easy as an on-road as possible, considering that Commander is a super complicated format to begin with. And so we try and tame the decks down to be easy and accessible, and crazy board math on the table is one of the easiest ways to cause problems to happen. So with Coat of Arms, that's a specific reason why that wasn't included. Patriarch's Bidding, I we tried for a while. It might have even been in my handoff to Brian for development. I know one of the issues we ran into it, what, uh, into with it was that it affected everyone equally, and there were a lot of decks where returning everything was a lot better than other decks and kind of in a way that made it so you didn't want to cast it a lot of the time and i remember playing it was in the vampires deck for a while and i was playing and there were a lot of times where i was going to return like three of my vampires and like four dragons turns out that returning everyone's graveyards of the battlefield is not that great when there's one of you and three opponents who all get all their stuff back <laughs> yeah. patriarch's bidding is best when there's a bunch of people who aren't playing tribal decks as opposed to everyone is playing a tribal deck Shared animosity we talked about, but there's 
some reasons we didn't do that one. And yeah, just a lot of a lot of cards like that uh, didn't end up making the cut just because they didn't really work that well in a larger tribal environment where we want the games to be simple and everyone's playing a tribal deck. And once again, we think players are going to go out and find those cards. And we will have other opportunities to re reprint them. But Did you guys ever think about maybe making modernized versions of them that were less or there were maybe more specific to one deck as opposed to helping the entire universe? Yeah, you know, we did talk about that. For a lot of those cards, things already exist. For, you know, you kind of have Door of Destinies as a version of Coat of Arms that doesn't affect everybody. And, and I think we included that in one of the decks in the end as an example. But with, with Commander, you get so few new cards you get to make. You get what, 58 new cards, or 56 new cards, excuse me. So you really want to make every card count. And would you rather just remake an old card or make something new and cool that can enhance a deck in a new and exciting way. And so the way that we chose to do that is instead of cards like Coat of Arms, making things that allow you to choose a tribe and really focus in on your tribal deck. So things like the new land that we made, or the Kindred Cycle, are all great examples of cards that, oh, this can go into any tribal deck, and I can make my Myogen tribal deck, or whatever it is that I want to do, and play these Kindred cards, and they're awesome. God, how bad would a Myogen tribal deck be? No, the the there's a new card. Oh yeah, yeah. there's the one card that gives you the uh, the counter back. Yeah, you get the, your divinity counter. Kindred back. boon. Yeah, so I, your Myogen deck, your spirit deck is not going to be great, admittedly, but the games where you draw Kindred boon, it's going to be rad. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh man. Well, some of us do still look at this as sort of as a uh, sort of missed opportunity, but. And Adaptive Automaton, my goodness. Well, Adaptive Automaton, an interesting thing, um, one thing about Adaptive Automaton that is interesting to note is what we found is a lot of traditional lords pump power and toughness, which is great. I love it when my creatures are bigger. But in Commander, a plus one, plus one boost is not actually super awesome. I mean, it's fine. It's nice. I wouldn't complain if someone just gave it to me for free. But you usually want to be able to, to do something else with your creatures that gives them a, a cooler tribal bonus. So making tokens, making them cheaper, things in that range. So, yeah, we looked at Adaptive Automaton and ended up not using it. I think that was in my hand off to Brian as well. But I'm, he cut it for probably uh, pretty pretty good reasons, I'm sure. The one thing I will say is... The reception of these decks has seemed pretty positive so far, and assuming that they perform pretty well, so go out and buy them, by the way, um, I think there's a, there's a <laughs> high chance we'll do tribal in the future, uh, especially given the popularity that we've seen so far. And if we do that, we'll pick up a bunch of new tribal, a bunch of new tribes next time around, and we'll have another chance to reprint cards that you guys love. So if you cough, like these... Cough, soldiers, cough. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly on the table. We wrote it on the board for this set. <laughs> I mean, we could just do Jedder Janin tribal. You know, anything's possible. <laughs> Man, I was so bummed when I found out the soldiers wasn't one of the tribes. But then at the same time, I have the perfect soldiers deck. So why would I, what could you possibly give me that I don't already have? Well, yeah. And, um, you know, one of, one of our goals uh, was to look at tribes that already existed. And if it's like, okay, well, we could do green-white elves, but there's already some good green-white elf commanders. And, and the Fraley's deck is still out there. That's basically an elf tribal deck. Exactly. The Fairly's deck is an elf tribal deck, and there's tons of elves you want to play. So what does making a commander deck really do for that deck as compared to what, what it does for cats? Well, with elves, it just gives you a few cards you're going to slot into your elf deck, and that's cool. You get five or six new cards that are worth playing. But with cats, you get to create an entire new deck. And so that's kind of why we went yeah. down that direction. So then why <laughs> why not Brimaz? 
Like you guys have shown that you will put rares into these decks. You'll put mythics into these decks as needed, especially if they're not like, you know, break the bank type of mythics. Um, and you would think that like, I mean, look, set Jedi John aside because he's obviously my joke, right? But Brimaz would be so perfect in this deck that it feels to me like if I was a new player picking up the cat's deck and I got the amazing cat king who made soldiers attacking, that would be one of the coolest possible things, especially with like, you know, Arabo being able to buff him up and everything. I'm just curious that one, especially in the cat's deck, felt to me like a very obvious miss. Yeah, you know, I actually, this is a bit of a tangent, but I think we even talked about making a new Burmaz at one point as one of the legends, and then we talked, and then we talked You're about me twice now, <laughs> and then and then we talked about there's a side character whose name I can't remember, who is a human who is friends to cats in the Theros story. There is a story on the website about this person. I can't remember their mm. name, um, but we talked about doing them for a while. Anyway, um, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Bathmat Shiv. <laughs> I think it was actually Bathmat Shiv is. <laughs> yeah, friend of all cats. Ironically, yeah. I don't even like cats. I just like cats and magic a lot. So I think I think we handed off Bramaz. We may or may not have handed off to Brian. I don't remember. There's a couple things going on there. I think one element about Bramaz is it, it's a very popular and exciting card. And when, once again, and wizards, we're not looking at every just one product in particular, but we're looking at the entire scale of magic products we have to make, not just now, but over the next five years. And there's kind of a question of, okay, we could put it in this commander set, or we could put it in a master set at some point, maybe, and would it be more exciting if we waited for a master set, and what's the trade-off there? I I don't know if it's in a master set off the top of my head, um, but that seems seems like a likely thing that, that could happen. By some reckonings, he is three and a half times as popular as he was uh, a month ago. <laughs> yeah, you don't say. I was looking this morning, and it was just like, oh, yeah. I might need to unsleeve the one in my soldier's deck to yeah. put him in the cat's deck. Um, I'm looking at, like, uh, Jareth Leonin Titan, you know, who's been reprinted a jillion times, and most recently in uh, Eternal Masters. And he's such a dull... I mean, I love the card, the the character... But the card is so meh in comparison to something, I don't know, Bramazi. But um, I guess... Hey, Shivan, when he blocks, he becomes an 11-14. Yeah, have you ever played that with Doran the Siege Tower? You haven't lived, man. You have to deal 14 damage when, when they attack you, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so here's an interesting, interesting analog, okay? This is... This is going to go way off Commander for a second, but I promise you I'm going to bring it back, okay? So, when people buy a Planeswalker pack, a Planeswalker deck, you guys are familiar with, with those, I presume, yeah? I buy them both, yes. Yep. Awesome. All so, the smiling Planeswalkers. So, you know what happens is you get a Planeswalker deck, it's totally awesome, and there's a few boosters in there, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think happens when people open up those booster packs and they're, and they're brand new? Uh, they look for the card that fits the colors and shove it into the deck? Yeah, that's a that's that's a pretty good guess. Um, what we found is most of the time when people use booster packs to augment their decks, they actively make their decks worse. They just open up their packs, they like put in a bunch of more cards or do something horrible. They cut their removal spells because nobody needs those for three mana one ones, like whatever, right? Um, so, <laughs> so one thing that we try and do with our decks is make it clear, oh, this is an upgrade you could do. And so we don't always want to just 
give you the deck pre-finished and ready to go, we want there to be some great choices for you to include in that deck that make a lot of sense. So that if you buy the Cats deck, you can be like, oh, I love this deck. I want to make this deck mine and give it some cool tweak. What's some stuff I could go find to put in this deck? And um, Are you saying Jareth, Leon, and Titan is the hairy arm of the Cats deck? Well, that I mean, everything in the Cats deck is a hairy arm if you think about it, because Cats. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's important that players have ways to upgrade. And it's not so much that Jareth is is weak, but that yeah, you know, like Brimaz isn't in this deck. But hey, you mentioned that right up right away. Players on Reddit mentioned that right away. It, and okay, that's great. You can go find a copy of Brimaz, put it in your deck, and then you're ready to go. What we don't want is to sell the, the cat's deck, have it be, okay, this is the one of the best commander decks out there. Everyone just just plays this stock cat's deck and you get bored of playing commander because you play against the same cat deck over and over and over again that's not a super fun experience so it's almost more fun if we sell you a cat's deck that could use some improvements and everyone gets to kind of craft it in their own way and figure out ooh, do i want a johnny in here or do i want bermaz in here or do i want to maybe i want to skip the cat thing entirely and play up the equipment theme so we want to give you ways to evolve your decks that's very important to commander design that's a very good answer it's not the answer i was hoping for but that's a really uh well thought out. It's the really. answer we deserve. Yeah, because to be <laughs> honest, I'm going to be putting Brumaz and Ajani into these decks, and uh, probably a lot of Ajani's, because uh, I'm just saying uh, Brody Todd, the hipster planeswalker, probably not going to make it into my final cut, but it's nice to see him. <laughs> Patron Andy Bentley asked a, a, a fine question here. Were the potential tribes hindered by the number of available lords? So yes and no. A really important part of this is that we were able to take decks uh, and use old cards with new cards to make a, a cohesive experience. For example, with cats, you only have Rockshaw Golden Cub as the existing lord. But because there's enough cats in Magic, and by adding some new lords in with the extra cards we were able to make, we were able to make it a cohesive package. If you pick a tribe like, let's say, Noggles, you're like, man, Noggles are the best. <laughs> <laughs> They are actually. There's there's at least one person out there who's a, who has a noggle hat on. He's just so excited about noggles, right? But All the problem four noggles. But the problem with noggles is there's only a couple noggles in existence. You know, there's what four or five noggles out there, and so even if we made seventeen <laughs> sweet new noggle cards and no spells, by the way, to to get into these this noggle deck just 17 straight up noggles you would still only have a whopping 21 noggles to play with and it would be really hard to make that competitive plus to what we just talked about you have nowhere to go from there you build your noggle deck you put all the noggles in and it's basically a prescription i'm the doctor i'm like oh put all these noggles together figure out what your spells are going to be but you always have to play these noggles p.s noggles aren't coming back anytime soon so good luck finding any more it's not a very satisfying experience Poor Noggles. Yeah, I mean, I hate, hate beating up on Noggles, but they're kind of there to get beaten up well, on. I mean, so. To be fair, this sounds a lot like the um, the argument that I believe Ethan used when they were talking about the fact that we haven't had a Ninjas deck in a while, that there are, just aren't that many playable Ninja cards. Yeah. There's a few really good ones, and then every other one you put in because you need to fill the space with a Ninja. And um, What we need, Shivam, is a set that features Ninjas. Uh. Jedido Janingawa? <laughs> or, you know, we've got dinosaurs and pirates coming. It's only a matter of time before we see ninjas. If there are ninjas and in Ixalan, I'm going to just light Wati on fire. That's just. 
No, it won't be an Ixalan. It'll be Ixalanagawa. Ixalanagawa. <laughs> Gavin, you notice Gavin's not saying anything. We have once again hit on uh, something from the future. Uh, how did, this, of those, uh, how did these guys know members. so much? <laughs> uh, you know, I just want to say on ninjas, we actually looked at ninjas as the blue-black deck where wizards ended up being, but we did run into that exact problem of there just weren't quite enough ninjas to make it happen. Uh, and the ninja theme is... It's hard to know how well that would work in Commander. We tried it out, out a little bit, and without significant new card support, it's it's a little little iffy. I think we could have made it work, but just for the gameplay that we're looking for, we also wanted a more controlling deck where Ninja was a more attacking yeah. deck. So we ended up going with Wizards. But you know, I do think we could see something Ninja related in, in the future, and Ninjas are really popular. So once again, looking at Magic on kind of the evolutionary scale, when you take a step back and you're, you pretend you're the Carl Sagan of Magic, right? And you're looking at this grand history of Magic. Someday we will get to <laughs> Ninjas again. It'll be great. I mean, it was in 2022 that ninjas reappeared in Magic: The Gathering. I've just been playing the ninja deck in the Plane Chase, uh, in the Plane Chase reissue uh, lately, and it's just it reminded me how much fun that deck really is, and how much fun really, frankly, Plane Chase is. But um, so I guess since we've been talking about cats, shall we just <laughs> jump into talking about the cat deck itself? Because we haven't done any of that yet, so we should start now. We absolutely haven't. First, but, well, see, always a first. What about eminence? In general, what can you say in two minutes or less about eminence? Okay, so here's the deal with eminence. We tried a lot of things to make tribal awesome, and one of the inherent problems with tribal is that it's weak against all the things we like to do in Commander, board sweepers, for example, long game control plans, and you've got no inherent bonus for playing your, your tribe. It's not like, oh, I'm playing an elf deck, my deck is magically better now. Yeah, well, it's better because you have all these elves in your deck, but especially for tribes that have less support, you need something to amp it up a little bit. So we looked at mechanics that could operate and really help your deck out. We tried a lot of different things. We tried variations on partner or, or creatures that started with other things in the command zone. But ultimately, what we ended up trying as one of our first ideas um, and one of my favorite I'll admit it was my mechanics so I was a little biased uh, was was <laughs> eminence um, and Aloro is a card that I don't like okay so that was I was really skeptical at the beginning about eminence because of Aloro even though I liked what it was doing in general but here's the really big difference between Aloro and eminence Aloro you don't have to do anything to get to get the reward you just play him, play him as your commander. He's off in his command zone. He's getting you two life every turn, and you can't interact with it in any way. Eminence, on the other hand, you have to build your deck in a specific way to make it work. And, and this part is very important, it affects the cards that you cast. It makes your dragons cheaper. It makes your cats bigger. It gives you vampire tokens, and so on. But they're all things that you can interact with, you can deal with on the board. If you sweep the table, it's not still there. Um doing you know it's not like the life where you get it and you have to actually attack and deal with the resource it's on the table it's a tribal card you can deal with and that is a very important distinction to me overall i'm really happy with how eminence ended up we tried a lot of different abilities for it and if it's popular here i can see us doing it again we did try a like some kind of five color eminence thing that could work in any tribal deck but ended up it was just broken in some deck no matter how we sliced it so we settled on four eminence one for each tribe and maybe we'll try it out again sometime yeah seems like something that can return absolutely and if we come back to tribal commander decks again maybe you'll see eminence again all right now to cats (laughs) meow meow 
Meow, 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 meow. No, no one else? Okay. It's fine. I'll just meow by myself. No, it's fine. It's fine. If you want to meow by yourself, that is great. That's my favorite, like, 80s song, right? You can meow. (laughs) I promise that won't be reused. (laughs) That's going to be our new theme song forever. Okay, I don't promise that. Okay, so here's the question. So... Let me just start by saying, if it wasn't already obvious, the Cats deck is basically the deck that I'm most excited for because the two halves of it do two of my favorite things, right? You've got equipment on one side and you've got giant creatures and also being able to spam tokens on the other. But as I'm looking at the deck, um, doesn't it feel like the attention is being pulled dramatically in those two different directions? Like if you got this deck, Gavin... uh, how would you go? Would you take it in the cat direction or would you try to build out the equipment direction? So a really inter- interesting thing about Commander 2017 to just back up for a second is that every deck has kind of two main themes. There's the primary tribal theme and then there's a sub-theme underneath it. And the tribal theme is, of course, very loud. It's on the front of the box. All your creatures are of that type. But if you're not interested in a tribal, we want, we want to make sure there's something for you. And in this case, that's equipment. In the cat deck, there's the equipment sub-theme. So you can keep it together as is. You can go in the heavier cat's direction, or you can focus on the heavier equipment direction. I think it just depends on your play style, honestly. If you really like equipment, then you go get some of the cards from the Nahiri deck, maybe, load up on awesome equipment, and you know curb, curb the cats. If what you want is the cat tribal, you can keep the cats around and focus less on the equipment a little bit. Or you can keep them both in there. And this really kind of harkens back to what I was just talking about, where we want to make sure that the decks don't always look the same and players have a chance to evolve. If we gave you the perfect cat equipment deck right out of the box, then you wouldn't be asking this question necessarily as much. But because there's room to improve on both sides and some small tweaks you can make, it allows people to evolve. And maybe four different people buy the cat's deck, and one person goes in the cat's direction, and one person goes in the equipment direction, and one person just makes a cool green-white deck, and one person keeps it cat's equipment. And that's really cool. You still have four different commander decks after they've evolved their deck, instead of one kind of homogenized deck. Yeah, because our preview card here was Nazan, who's the most exciting mm-hmm. card we've seen in quite some time, or at least for me, because he's everything I want, um, being a blacksmith character and all that. And I was just like, I want to put all the swords in here, but I also want to put, you know, the two cat lords who were from uh, Amonkhet in this deck. Um, and now I'm torn because I don't want to make an inefficient deck, which is both, but I want to use both sets of these guys because they're so cool. Uh, okay, here's here's a question for you that's commander-related but not related to this deck. I'm just curious. If right now you just get to choose and and it gets to be this way from now on, what deck size would you choose for commander? Would you keep it at 100 cards or would you up it or lower it? Ooh. Uh, I am a really bad deck editor, so I think having the 100-card limit is really good because it forces me to control myself. Otherwise, when I'm like... Like when I was building my soldiers deck, I had a pile of something like 350 cards I wanted to have in the deck. And uh, that was before even lands. So having the 100 card limit is, I think, important to to keep us in check from, I don't know, doing the wizard sour. Well, we would be saying the same thing if it were 80 cards, Probably. right? That we, would, that we appreciate the 80 card limit and so forth. So I, I've, I've thought about this a little bit. And I look at it as... If we had more cards, we would be able to expand into uh, plans B, C, D, E, etc., depending on where you are and how complex your your plan A is. 
But of course, at the cost. But you would never see them. Right. At the cost of never seeing them. And if we had fewer cards, then we would actually have to cut sub themes. Um, and and I don't actually know. Maybe we should ask Sheldon, who is closer to the originators than we are. But I don't actually know why they settled on 100 or 99 plus 1. It tends to work well. I would want to go up to 110 because I'm greedy and it's a little bit harder to make, you know, decks than I like. But uh, I'd be, again, I'd be saying the same thing if we were already at 110. I'd be saying, well, maybe we should go up to 120. Actually, 120 might not be bad because that would be like, you know, two 60-card decks stapled together. Um, Yeah, it would certainly, you know, thinking about that, <laughs> this is not the show for that, but that's actually, uh, that's pretty good. You could just take two 60-card decks and there would be a lot of these standard decks going around and you just mash them together and you can play a... a, a you could play a game. Now, of course, well, it's a singleton format. Anyway. Hmm. So carry, carry on, Gavin. Sorry we went down this tangent. We are actually getting ready to dive completely into the rabbit hole, expand it, and make a nice little den out of it. No, I asked the question because I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> I, you know, As a format like, like this expands and you have more and more cards to play with, it almost feels sad sometimes you have to cut cards out. Like I can't tell you the number of times I've been working it's on a commander deck. feeling. Yeah, I've worked on a commander deck so many times and been like, okay, got all the cards I want to play. I've called it down. I'm doing pretty good. Nope, still have to cut 70 cards before I can build my deck. And it's almost like you (laughs) have to adjust for inflation. Like we've made so many more cards now that there's so many more sweet cards to put into your decks that you really have to pick and choose. Especially when you're somebody like me who likes to use subpar cards or cards that are just like nostalgic favorites because that's my favorite part of Commander. Being able to go back and play that Mahomodi Jin or whatever that I loved back in the day and having a format where I can just throw it down. But it means that like you're making an inefficient hulk of a deck because you still want to be able to win or at least compete. And I don't know, I sometimes it does get very frustrating. Like when you guys make a new card for my zombie deck, I have to figure out who is going to die from my zombie deck. And that's hard because I love every card in there. Um, so, yeah, so I like when I look at these amazing precons, I end up getting that same kind of like uncomfortableness. Like when I was looking at, um, so when the Fraley's deck came out, it was half elves and half Titania lands. And I knew that I wanted to do a land based deck. So I took all the elf cards and basically just tossed them out without looking at them at all. And that made it a lot easier. But in the Cats deck, I love both halves of the deck, so I'm just completely stuck as to where you even break it down. Sounds like you should build two decks. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me I should host a Commander podcast. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what can you tell us about Alms Protector? Uh, and, and Shivam, just so you know, if you need to build two Cats decks, you can buy them. Uh, they're on sale for $35, uh, about $35. <laughs> uh I need to pay rent this month, so it'd be great if you could go out and buy them right now. <laughs> to be honest, though, this is one of the first uh, Commander blocks in quite some time that I actually want to buy multiple copies. One to keep the decks as is in the box, and one for parts. So it will be really interesting to see what we actually end up coming up with afterwards. Okay, so so now to your question. Let's talk about Alms Collector, shall we? Alms Protector. Oh, Collector. Alm- collector. Oh, it's Collector? Yeah. How did I miss that? He probably okay. collects the Alms rather than protects them. He's not really the protecting type. I guess he kind of protects you from like, well, drawing I mean, too He probably cards. is protecting the Alms after he collects them. Yeah. Alms Collector. What can you tell us about it? Alm- <laughs> uh, okay, so Alms Collector. 
this card, so I'm going to give away one of my favorite playtest names in the set. I was going to save this for a later segment in the show, but now feels like a great time for it. This card was designed by Mark Gottlieb, who's a marvelous designer, and the playtest name was Cops on the Take. And the idea was they were like... <laughs> <laughs> the idea was they were these policemen who were like, oh, they showed up. Ah, you know, it's fine. You can draw a card. If you let, but just one, and I'll I'll take one of those cards too. You know, now uh, be careful what you do out there. So it's oh, um, a nice pile of cards there. It would be a real shame if something were to happen to him. Exactly. I think that sense had been uttered more than <laughs> once in playtests. Yes. So, uh, and so the difference between this printed version, cops on the takes abilities, is the original one also did it with life. If an opponent would gain two or more life, they gain one, and you gain one. But it was, <sighs> but. You know, what we really try and do in R&D is boil a card down to its essence and find out what makes a card really cool. And we found that the draw part was awesome and really, really exciting, and that the life part wasn't really drawing people in that much. It also kind of blew because the vampire deck has a life gain sub-theme, and the card was really hosed that sub-theme. Yeah, um, that would have been savage, man. <laughs> so, uh, so we ended up going with this. We made it a little stronger, gave it some extra power to compensate. And I, I love how the card ended up. It's a card that really stands unique in magic you can kind of compare it to things like notion thief but this is pretty unique in that they still get a card and you get a card too and commander's a great space to play around with these kind of wild effects i I absolutely love it (laughs) cops on the take that's a blast and uh yeah this card is great i'm glad it ended up with stifling card draw because we hate the card draw and the filthy blues um but (laughs) our preview card last week was Nazan, and well, we had two two cards. I keep making this mistake. And his hammer, Nazan's hammer. I think, yes, right? hammer, hammer of Nazan. Yeah. So, what can you tell us about those two fine cats? Nazan started out as I believe it's his name was. Uh, it was totally awesome. Darlo Manx the Inscrutable. And what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought we were playing the Star Wars CCG for a second. Yeah, he was Darlo Manx the Inscrutable, and his sword was Rapalzi the Jagged Blade, which is pretty, pretty sweet sounding. And I'm glad we went with this on. I, I feel like that's the start of like a Game of Thrones character, right? Like, um, n- uh, Darlo Manx the Inscrutable, wielder of Rapalzi the Jagged Blade, first of his kind, keeper of the fur, or, you know, whatever, right? Um, anyway, um, so... Nazan. Yeah, so basically Mark Gottlieb, who once again was leading the Cats deck, and so he came up with a lot of the stuff that was going on there, had an idea of what if there was a legend that started with something else in the command zone with it. And it would make a lot of sense here, because the Cats deck needed equipment and a cat, so what if you could actually have his equipment in the command zone with you? Which is a really interesting idea. So we tried that out for a little while, and that didn't end up making it, but we... We actually, by the way, we tried that for all of the decks to see if we wanted to do anything like that and ended up deciding to not go with that mechanic and we chose Eminence instead. But we liked that design so much that we kept the best one, our favorite, Nazan, and uh, had him just search up the equipment. The other great thing is one of the things that we're always fighting about as magic designers is trying to get space in the text box. It's so hard. Like the magic text box is not nearly as long as you think it is. And the secret with this guy is he actually just got to write his text across two cards. 
So <laughs> that's a sneaky, sneaky cheat. So what do we, we just was like? Okay, what do we want this guy to do? We'll put some text here, some text here, and it'll be great. So um, yeah, Nizan came to be because of a mechanic we were trying out in the cat stack. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. It's pretty fun, and we'll make these cards show up in a lot of future Commander decks, I'm sure. Yeah, I loved him because he reminded me of my favorite Wheel of Time character, uh, Perrin, the blacksmith who sits in hammers and makes amazing like magical weapons with his uh, stuff. And last week we had Victor Adame on to talk about the artwork. And, dude, this card is just a home run in every direction. It's so cool. I'm so excited. I'm pretty sure he's going to replace uh, Arabo as the general for me. and uh, Instantly. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm just like, I'm hella stoked for this guy. Um, but I did want to ask actually a question about this that wasn't cat-related for once. Uh, in, this, in this deck, you also had one of the coolest cards, I think, in this entire set. Uh, Traverse the Outlands, which is the foreign green sorcery yeah. that lets you get... Um, X basic lands where X is the greatest power of creatures, which is maybe one of the best all-purpose ramp spells I've seen in quite some time with this amazing Theros art. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you came up with that? Because we've never seen this kind of card before. Okay, so Traverse the Islands. A really important thing about these decks, and we knew this from the outset, is tribal is just going to appeal to a more niche audience than colors, which is what we had done things with Commander in the past. So we wanted to switch up how we do Commander decks and start focusing on themes. But in doing that, it was really important that we still kept enough baseline appealing cards so that if you didn't buy into the tribal themes, you still had a deck waiting for you and cool cards you wanted to take out and put into your other Commander decks. If you don't want to play tribal, if you don't want to play any of these tribes, we want you to have sweet cards. That's kind of where the sub-themes came in to make sure, oh, we can have a life gain, life loss sub-theme and an equipment sub-theme. But we also just needed generic cool cards, and Traverse the Outlands is exactly that. Yeah, it works great in this deck because of all the equipment, but it goes well in just most green decks in general. You play a 5-5, you untap and ramp for five lands. It's totally nuts. So this was our attempt to make sure this deck had just a really cool, appealing card that players would want to own. And from the sounds of it, I think you guys do. Yeah, Absolutely. Was it meant to be played with Outland Colossus after it becomes renowned? Why not? That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because X would be twelve. In all, in all, honestly, I really have to hand it off to Creative on this set. I think they did a bang up job, and finding those fun, subtle yeah. references is something I really deeply enjoy. And looking at this card, ninety-five percent of players who see this card aren't going to think of Outland Colossus, but the five percent who played Theros and know that card and know that that's kind of what this is in the art, knowing that it's Theros get that sweet reference, and then someone does that in Commander, and they high-five their friend. And that's why Magic is great, right? Magic is lets you do things like that for a small percentage of the audience, and if you do enough cool things for a small percentage of the audience, eventually everyone gets to have that incredible moment where it feels like Wizards is speaking to you, and that makes you keep playing Magic for life. Well said. Oh my, well said. That captures... You know me. So, so what's your favorite card in this set? I mean, this deck, in this deck. Yeah, this deck. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sweet cats. I'm like, I'm so happy we got a new Miri. That really, really, really excites me. But the card that 
I like the most. Oh, and and can't forget stalking Lena either. The secretly choose the player. Yeah, I uh, love that. There's Welcome actually, to conspiracy, yeah, that's man. I love that card. Yeah, there's actually this was a whole mechanic that was pitched, and you can find out more about this if you read the uh, design handoff that I wrote about and is linked in the show notes. But uh, there's a whole mechanic of this, and really <laughs> there were just a few of them that we really liked. There were two that were good designs. And so we ended up keeping one of them, and maybe we'll do the, the second one at a future point in time if players like this card. I kind of want to see how it plays out first. But we did the good one, and I think the card's a blast to play with. We'll see what you guys think. But I love this design. But my my favorite card in the entire deck... Now, remember, Gavin. Yeah. Every other card you do not choose will be put into a cardboard box and then thrown into a flooded basement. No. Well, we all know... And yes. cats love water, so that's going to go great. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what? It's all I will happily throw away all those cards. Those cards can all go hang out in the flooded basement and oh, eat your your little and eat the rats. Because ironically, my favorite card, not close, is Hungry Lynx. Okay, yes, this this card is amazing. I yes, it is. I love cards that just read like poems, and this is a card that reads like a gorgeous, gorgeous story. I can show this card to a non-Magic player, and they get what's going on, which is amazing. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite cards is Bold Weir Intimidator, which reads Cowards mm-hmm. Can't Block Warriors, which is <laughs> yes. just a true statement. It's just a statement about life. So and, let me read Hungry Links to the audience who's listening from their cars. Uh, Hungry Links is the one in a green 2-2 cat that says, and this is one of the greatest lines ever written in Magic, Cats you control have protection from rats. At the beginning of your end step, target opponent creates a 1-1 black rat creature token with death touch, which is, by the way, a super great group huggy type of effect, and says whenever a rat dies, not just when attacking you or controlled by you, put a 1-1 counter on each cat you control. (laughs) That is busto. (laughs) This is so good. Oh, my God. So Boulder Intimidator is one of my favorite cards ever because of Cowards Can't Block Warriors. And actually, believe it or not, in Seattle, Cowards Can't Block Warriors took on a life of its own. We had a karaoke group, and every week we would go do karaoke. And we did this for like three or four years at the same place every Monday night karaoke. It's since died off, but it was a big thing there. I promise this will get back to magic and um, and Hungry Links in particular. And... Um, because karaoke, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people bring their significant others or non-magic friends. It was started out as a magic thing, but quickly expanded outside of that. And my friend Daniel Duterte just started saying "cowards can't block warriors" as a sentence, and slowly that 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 <laughs> trickled into our non-magic playing friends, and they loved it, and they started introducing it to their non-magic playing friends. And before I know it. I, I have literally started running into people who I have never met who just say cowards can't block warriors. They don't know where it came from. It's just a sentence they say because they think it's clever and funny. And that is amazing to me. That's awesome. Yeah, the only other sentence in Magic that I think even comes close to cowards can't block warriors is the land continues to burn. One of the greatest pieces of random reminder text on any card ever. Uh, but yeah, man. Hungry Lynx is a hell of a card. That is going to be super fun to play. Especially if you run into the one guy who's running his like vermin deck. It's just going to be like... So uh, back to the card design story. Yeah, basically Mark Gottlieb, once again, I'm going to keep mentioning him because he worked on the cat's deck and he's a complete design genius. He has two cats, as I noted. And he came in one day and was like, look, 
we've got these fighting Leonin, and we've got you know all these warrior cats and all the stuff about cats with axes, and that's awesome. But what about the house cats of the world? Like when most people people think of cats, they don't think of a warrior that stands on two legs. They think of an adorable cat that lives in your house. How about we make a cat that actually represents what a cat does? And he he came back (laughs) with this design, and I fell in love immediately. And because not only I thought the design was super charming, but the first line, cats you control protection from rats, reminded me so much of Boulder Intimidator, I couldn't help but love it. So actually, the only thing that happened is this card got a lot more powerful because we all loved it so much. So it started off as a four-mana 3-3, and it was two green white, so it was two colors. And then Brian ended up changing it into a two mana two two. Uh, and the other change that happened is that you should just put a plus one plus one counter on one cat, and now it puts a plus one plus one counter on all your cats. So it's even more awesome. And uh, I'm super happy about that. One thing we always try and do is make the awesome cards stronger because people want to play with them, and that's really cool. So I I love how this card turned out, and it is hands down my favorite card in the cat deck, and probably among my top three cards in the set. I just absolutely adore. Hungry links. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's also one really, really tough cat. <laughs> you could take out any bear, <laughs> man. Yeah, ironically, Mark was going for a simple house cat, ended up being a lynx, which I would not normally let in my house. <laughs> yeah, it's a little odd. Maybe now I would, though. I don't know. I feel I feel like we've got a kindred bond, he said, as yeah. his arm was being chomped off by a lynx. But, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Okay. Absolutely. So, beautiful. just some uh, simple questions to wrap up my half. Um, first off, the land base in this, um, I really, really like that you put in the Kiora Temple of the False God artwork. That's wait. Do you you want to go to land before we talk about Arabo? What Arabo? You mean the guy who's going to be replaced by Nizan instantly? I guess we could talk about Arabo. Well, actually, you should care about you should care about Arabo a lot, Shivam. You know why? Can you guess why? Because he's a land. <laughs> nope, because Arabo's original name was Jedit Ojanin. What? <laughs> what? What? Ah, no! What? What? Yeah, excellent. <sighs> Not like this. It's it's like the plot no. twist at at the end of I don't know. It's, it's like Planet of the Apes in Europe, except cats. So Planet of the Cats, I guess. You um, just broke my face. <laughs> you so, just took Nizan's hammer and ran it through my face. <laughs> so Jedet Ojan's ability was pumping from the command zone, and uh, the exact details of of how this card works t- got tweaked a little bit. But basically, when we decided to not do Jedet, Arabo uh, is the character that took the place, a brand new character for the set. But the abilities stayed, uh, you know, somewhat equivocal to what they are now. So this is your spiritual successor to Jedet. So maybe you should care about this card a little bit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I- we actually made Shivam speechless, excellent. which is quite impressive. That's great. <laughs> well, with that, listeners, we are actually going to do a two-parter with Gavin. This is the first time, it's a commander and first, where we know ahead of time that this will be a two-parter. And uh, that should give Sean an opportunity to have uh, cleared his cat traps and rejoin us. So... We are uh, <laughs> we're incredibly grateful you stuck it out, Gavin. This is amazing. Wow, this whole show that is definitely a perfect way to end this episode. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, don't don't worry. We'll come back <laughs> next week, and there'll be no good stories left. So uh, I'll just be like, "Yep, let's talk about vampires." All those cards were, you know, nothing nothing compared to cast. No, actually, yeah, very excited. A little sneak preview for next week. I was the lead designer of the vampires deck, so I, I mean, I was the lead designer of the whole set. But everyone gets their own deck, so I worked the most on vampires, and and so I have some cool things to say about that. And oh my gosh, I've got a few cool stories to tell. But I guess I should. Probably hold off on those for now. Yeah, I understand. There's a Baron. <laughs> what a wonderful teaser! Uh, what was his name? Baron Baron Sanger, who was just wondering where where he you showed up. But we can save that one for next week. Yeah, um, we, we had a card called Van Sanger Sing, <laughs> Vampire Hunter in the set for a while. That guy was fun. Do you mean Baron Botvastin? <laughs> That's my Star Wars name. <laughs> I never understood Star Wars. Like, how do you trust the guy called Darth Sidious? I just don't get it. Yeah, like, 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 <laughs> yeah. who's like, oh, Darth Sidious? Of course, you're trustworthy. Like, I should, I should believe in you. Anyway. Oh, hey, you know this guy, Darth Maul, sounds like a great dude. I want to hang out with. Yeah, Darlo makes yeah, yeah. total good guy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well thank you very much All right. this has been an illuminating and enlightening hour or two hours or three hours however long the Eternal Gavin show has been going it's yes. been hilarious yeah. and there's so much more to talk about the dragon's deck looks so amazing and we'll talk about it next I, time I really hope Sean got those rabbits <laughs> we're going to need some food if we're going to make it through this yeah trust Sean to skip out on the <laughs> Selesnia deck right